Radio Free Brooklyn. This is what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How are you guys doing? Oh my God, I'm having such a rush. I'm back. I'm back. I haven't been back live in the studio in I don't know how long. I can't, I don't want to think about it. I just want to be here with you in this moment, in this beautiful moment in the Radio Free Brooklyn studios. So I am so thrilled because uh, today, which is sort of my new new start, new life, September, you know, beginning, it's new beginning school, all that shit. And I have David Henry Nobody Jr., who's an amazing uh, artist who is now killing it in the NFT space. And he's... There's so much to talk about that I'm overwhelmed already. But before I get overwhelmed, I just want to tell you about Radio Free Brooklyn. And we appreciate you listening to us. We're a free, independent, (coughs) listener-supported, that's you guys, uh, supported radio. And I'm Dr. Lisa, the self-proclaimed psychotherapist. I'm here every Thursday, 2 to 3, my archives of only, I have over 250 shows. Go to my show page and support us, okay? Because, you know, like I said, we count on listeners like you. We're a, we're a nonprofit. If you donate money to us, you can get a tax donation. Go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. And you know what else I want to talk to you about? I want to talk to you about the Peters Valley Fall Craft Arts at the Sussex County, New Jersey Fairgrounds um, next week in September 25th and 26th. I would be going on the 25th, but my niece is having a christening for her brand new baby, so I'm not going to be there that day for sure. But you guys should go. I mean, there's going to be like so many handcrafted pieces. And you know what else? It's that time of year where you got to start thinking about Christmas. Everyone loves a handcrafted, crafted, handcrafted gift. And uh, it's also great to come out and support the Peters Valley School of Craft. Okay. Because we need crafts. If we don't have crafts. We're just going to be buying at big box stores. And that's Oh, that's always the end of society. So anyway, David, it is so great to see you. Thanks for being here. Are you are you are you are you making a post about how great it is to be on the show? Hey, everyone. How's it going? Great to great to be here. Uh, I'm not posting yet, but I promise I will post. Oh, you don't have to. Prolifically. Okay, you don't have to. I'm a hoe for all forms of uh, media. Okay, not too much moving around. Because we got to hear you okay. on the mic. Okay, good. Now just stay there. Don't move. No. <laughs> He's wearing a Wawa uh, brand hat for you guys. So um, I'm going to start off by hogging the mic and telling you a little bit about David Henry Nobody Jr. If you are not familiar, because he's a really... Um, He's a real he's a real deal, folks. There aren't that many people I can say are as authentic. Here's my take on on 
creative people, artists, comedians, musicians. There's a certain group of people who really just can't do anything else and are just really driven to do their own work. And uh, I'm not one of them. I, I, I've had other jobs. I've, I've experimented in other places. But there are certain people that just can't, like, take, take their hands off of it or their eyes off of it. They're always going to be that person making their work hell and high water with drive. Like, it's not just about making the work. It's that drive where you can't stop making the work, and it's the most important thing in your life. Like, for me, creating is the most, is the most important activity in my life, but, uh, you know, I like I'm lazy. I don't know. What am I going to say? Uh, <laughs> this is not a competition. But anyway, so David – and it's David's a quirky guy. He's a really quirky guy, and I first met him – in well he's been doing work performative work since the early 90s and i met him in the later 90s when he had his first solo show at uh why am i blanking on this name robling hall gallery robling hall gallery thank you lovely guys thank you and i have to tell you i will never forget that show i was completely blown away by it what what Dave, he was called David. He called himself. You called it yourself, David Henry Brown. I'm trying to just get yeah. You. He, he's right here in front of me. I'm here. He was this David Henry a, Brown. This is not and, a simulation. And his his work here. I'm just going to read this. His work first became notorious when he impersonated New York socialite Alex von Furstenberg, crashing VI parties for a whole year in 2000. Undercover. Undercover. Yes, as real. So you you're like a regular old looking you're a regular normal looking white guy kind yep. of you know just real normal looking and you put on a suit and tie mm-hmm. and you and you got into these parties right yeah for a year undercover and and how did you do that um, I would uh, find I would uh, <clears throat> I would uh, look at the gossip pages of the of the New York Post and the Daily News every day and find out where they would sort of used to say where celebrities were going to be. And so I realized that was kind of like a, a system that I could kind of uh, find them. Um, and so uh, I, I tried going out and just standing around on the red carpet a little bit, um, and it didn't really work. And then eventually I, I put on a suit, and I, and I started saying I was Alex von Furstenberg, and I, I could actually get into the events. And then I started to actually meet them like crazy. Now so I got into hundreds of things in a year. Yeah, and did you and you took all the pictures, or did you have a photographer? Uh, no, I, I I had a little uh a thirty five millimeter point and shoot camera that I would hand to strangers. I noticed that ah. so that's that like a regular American celebrity fans um would uh like kind of uh that's how they used to do it. Probably people still do it with their iPhones. And I I, I was like, oh, that's like straight out of uh, Duchamp and Fluxus, like chance operations. Like mm-hmm. you, the moment that you meet like your icon or this emotional. Uh, moment, you uh, you hand the camera to a stranger. So all the whole edition is shot by strangers. And here's the thing that I want. Another point I want to make. It's more it's more lifelike, I think, if you do that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the photos are more real. Art is but... a, art is a framework for life to flow into the work. Wow, uh, David's ahead of the curve. This is the whole point I'm making. That he's. I'm going to use the word visionary, but that's cheesy. I don't know. You decide. But anyway, you wound up with over 
60 photos at that show and news clippings. It was like this big gallery just filled with like page six and pictures of you with. Yeah. Tell us about some of the celebrities you were photographed with. Um, I think the craziest one was the Clintons. That was really crazy. What happened I mean, that there? really, I, I think like once I, I got to the Clintons because I'd, I'd gotten uh, many others and, and it was ver- various levels of, of security intensity, but getting into the, this party where the Clintons were was really nuts. Like and, what happened? What well, happened? Uh, it was a benefit with a few thousand people at the Ford Center on in, in, in Midtown and I read that they were going to be there. So I thought, uh, you'll never meet the, the president. But, you, you know, I was like, you don't, it's just like, uh, it's not performance unless you show up. So I went, I put on my suit, I went and um, I went up on one street and uh, there was heavy duty security. And I was like, oh, well, there's no way you're getting in. And then I went to the other side and that's kind of like where all the, the other thousand uh, people that were attending this, this event were going. And I, and I started, I used to like, I, chain, I used to chain smoke like crazy and I would just sit outside the thing and, uh, and watch people go in and chain smoke. Um, and I realized there was like one, a person that was working the door that was a lot nicer than the others. And so I went up and I used to uh, also bring it like a glass uh, with some ice in it. So it looked like I had been inside with a cocktail. Oh, so smart. And I, yeah, I had a lot of different uh, techniques. So I went up to him with a glass in my hand. I said, sorry, I'm Alex von Furstenberg. Um, I went outside for a cigarette. I'd like to go back in and join my wife. Uh, and the guy's like, not a problem, sir. So, oh, man. And I went and then I, you had to go through the metal detector. And I, of course, didn't have any metal on me. I just had no intention of anything that weird. Um, I got, I, and I sort of, it was a, it was a theater show. I sat on the upper level. I could see the Clintons were down in the pit up front and, um, at the, the break of the show. And I don't even remember what it was. It was really bad. I saw people who were like able, who were down in the pit to approach them. Um, and there was secret service all around them. So I ran downstairs to the VIP area and like, I pushed like really, really hard, like through, mm, <clears throat> like mm. it was like a mosh pit basically. And I got slowly to the Clintons and the secret service sort of pushed back a lot when you got close. And then they kind of let you in if you're persistent. And I guess you don't look freaky. Uh, so I met Hillary first. I said, wow. I introduced myself as Alex. I just, I just want to make a point. Bill Clinton was president. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Had, yes. Um, so I met Hillary real quick. Um, there were many people around. Um, I handed the camera to somebody and then I met Bill Clinton. Um, and I also introduced myself and there's two photos once I got the photos, I was I totally freaked out, and I, I was there was like Secret Service all around with holding guns and stuff, and I got the heck out of there real quick, and I went home and 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 dropped the film off at a lab, and like I think I got it a few hours later, and the the shots were beautiful. I couldn't believe it, wow. and I was like I felt like I was like being followed for for quite a while after wow. that, or tailed. You know, it was like you 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 went into like the almost the heart of darkness, the center of America, like the dark, weird part of America, like in that moment for me. Wow. It was pretty freaky. Wow, because yeah. people only see that stuff on TV. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was fascinated with like uh, why people, I grew up punk rock like you, and I, I grew up hating celebrities and celebrity culture, mm-hmm. but I wanted to kind of brainwash myself into believing uh, what most people believe in this country. So I would kind of do projects like this to get myself into it. Um, and of course I got, I became addicted. And the thing is, is like when you meet somebody famous like that, especially like the president, like you've seen their image, like thousands and thousands of times in mediated, mediated form. And then when you see them 
in person at first, like you actually hallucinate. Like you, cause really? you're, well, yeah, I think you're kind of projecting what you've seen oh, wow. on screen into real life. Wow. Uh, and so you kind of like, it's kind of like a drug. Or wow. Something. Yeah, yeah. That, it's like that's a dr- fascinating. Yeah, I think that's kind of what the people are drawn to is like, it's, oh, wow. It's like part, a manifestation of like a consumerist addiction. That's so interesting. I mean, I kind of know what you mean having seen a lot of celebrities around New York and it's always, there is a weirdness, but your thing was very heightened and that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I I just want to name a few of the people that you were photographed with that you met, but then I want to hear the Trump part too. So uh, just give us, give us a little list. There was like. P P Diddy, Puff Daddy. um, Who else did I meet? Um, Christopher Reeves. Mm -hmm. I met him. He was in a wheelchair. Uh-huh. Um, models, right? Wasn't yeah. There were some models. Chrissy um, Turlington, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bo Derek, who uh-huh. I kind of like grew up with as a kid in the 1970s, like sort of idealizing these sort of like uh, you know sex icons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? Um, so many. Yeah, know. there were so many. Yeah. Right? They yeah, were yeah. like famous. Well, whatever. But so I, tell- remember, I remember when I showed the piece, people are like, they're like, twenty years from now, no one will remember who these people are. Is that what they said? Yeah, to yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Oh, I got blown. I got artists. blown so much shit. Um, uh, I think artists were really jealous. I think that piece. I got to tell you, I remember that show so well. Uh, let's tell everybody to go to your website so they can look up sure. your history, because uh, David and I were talking a little bit uh, in a few minutes before we went live and uh we just realized there's just so much work there's so so many projects you have to go to his website if you really want to know what are, what's your website it's www.davidhenrybrownjr.com and if they want to follow your work currently they should go to instagram david henry nobody jr yeah a hundred and fourteen thousand followers. Twelve. Hundred and twelve. Whatever. Okay. That's a lot. Uh, tell us about the Trump part of that project. Right. Um, well, Alex uh, was. I, I went. I was undercover, and then I showed it at Roebling Hall, and I outed it to the to the press, and it went on on to national TV and became a scandal in the media, and it kind of like dwar- uh, uh, trumped the Trump project. I did the Trump project, but. And it was really cool, but it ne- didn't have the reach at the time, but I didn't know that I was predicting the future. Uh-huh. So uh, as a side project, um, I did uh, one just ca- separate category. And what year? Uh, 98, 99. A little okay. overlapping, Alex, okay. but a little before, where I tried to meet Donald Trump as many times as possible. So you did this before? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Why well, were you so of, attracted to Trump? Um, because I had done a... Um, uh, I had a collaborate a collaborative project with this guy, art British artist Dominic McGill, mm-hmm. who went on to be pretty prominent in his own mm-hmm. way. Um, and we did a piece in like the mid to uh, 95, 96, 97, 98, red, uh, a couple street performances. Uh, one was red carpet rollers where we would stand around in tuxedos saying we were a red carpet company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and we, we stood in front of places like Trump tower and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people would start waiting and no one was coming. And we, we video documented these things. And that's where I saw celebrity fanatics, number one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to become one. I want to probe that further. So that uh-huh. led to Alex. And also, I think, like, recording in front of Trump Tower. We appeared on CNN 
um, in like 1997 and uh, rolling out the red carpet when no one was coming in front of Trump Tower and the, the, uh, the public thought that CNN was in on it with us. That was totally crazy. So there was a lot of, we, we, Dom, Dominic and I talked about, you know, cheesy celebrities and, and Trump mm-hmm, and like patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And, so that's how you got started. Yeah. But so anyway, you have a lot of, a whole collection <clears throat> of pictures with yeah, him, right? Yeah, there's five photos of us together and I later met him um, uh, and, and had all five autographed in a gold paint marker, these eight by tens by the, the Don himself. Uh, not one of my favorite people. By yeah. the way, I'm not a Trump supporter. Yeah. To be very, no, no, to be no, very no, no, clear, no. I just thought he was a complete like cheese ball in uh-huh. like the late '90s, and I thought it was funny. Right. I didn't realize he was a fascist yet. Right. But um, uh, um, I don't think I think he just does whatever expedient for making money. True. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, so I met him, and then also he kept rumoring um, to the public, like in the news that year that he was thinking about running for president. Mm. And I, well, I was like, well, if you're obsessed with Donald Trump as a performative construct in real life, you should make a Trump for president poster before anybody else does and go out and, and, uh, and, and ask people if they would vote for him. Or, um, so mm-hmm. I, uh, I volunteered for this like Trump for president exploratory committee. I have a letter somewhere saying wow. from, from him in like 99 and I, uh, I made a, I had it worked with a graphic designer friend of mine and we made a Trump for president 2000 poster. And I went out with my camera guy, who's the uh, very brilliant, um, photographer and videographer, Richard Sandler, who's a genius. Um, uh, he's has great documentaries like the gods of times square and he's, um, uh, eyes of the city is his mm-hmm. book. Uh, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. He's a great, great artist. He's like one of my art moms and dads, like older generation mm-hmm. who influenced me. Um, but he came out and shot that day, and uh, so we interviewed people. Uh, and then I also encountered on that very same day, um, like a lot of people have seen me in this Rage Against the Machine video uh, where oh. there's a quick cut of someone out in the street holding a Trump for President oh, 2000 poster. So yeah, that's me. Oh, um, that's but so actually, funny. Rage Against the Machine says that they did it, but they had nothing to do with it. The shoot was happening the day Richard and I were shooting down near Wall Street. Uh-huh. And uh, as we passed by, we heard all this noise, and they were staging an illegal uh, uh, concert video shoot on the steps of the Wall Street. So wait, let me yep. get back to, so you have this whole collection. Have you thought about selling that? or Trump have, stuff? Yeah, the Trump photos. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, as an NFT uh, or uh, um, I, mean, have, I would. Or shown it? Has anybody shown any interest in it lately? Mm, I'm not really playing it up too much. I mean, yeah. I think it would be a lot. And I think probably I would donate like a good portion of the money to a good cause. Because I don't right. really, I don't want to really profiteer. Off, I can understand. Yeah, right. Yeah. We like we don't need any more Trump in, yeah. in psyche in our heads. I don't know. But I want to transition because sure, sure. I have so much I want to talk Let's to you about, Trump especially <laughs> in the NFT world. So sure, I sure. want to transition to um, the work that you started making the reassemblages. When did you start Resemblage. making those? Um, that's um, <clears throat> I joined Instagram in 2014, and it started to really um, influence. Uh, how I saw the world, like everybody, it was, and it, that for that led to the form of this this body of work called Resemblage, mm-hmm. which is a combination of the words resemble, resemble, and collage. You know what, David? Yeah, I'm worried about time, and I'm going to read this really okay. quickly so people can get the idea. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, I think this will help. Go I ahead. don't know. No, go ahead. Uh, um. Anyway, uh, Dave. So this is a show. Okay. Folks, this is another show that I was at, okay? A solo show that David had at the Contra Galleries called, and uh, blah, 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 
40 18 by 18 prints of David's latest self-portraits, which were initially published on Instagram. Uh, serving as a stream of consciousness, his feet is a scrapbook of what he calls resemblage, where he applies props such as motorized toys, body paints, and trash to his face in complex arrangements that border on humorous and disturbing, obscuring his identity, each one of... Uh, where the artist has liberated himself psychologically and intellectually from the ways capitalism tends to dehumanize us. So, okay, so I saw, I mean, the the work is, is uh, like just so original and so powerful mm. and it's kind of got, it's it's a body of work, but the way that David reinvents each piece is really um, just ridiculously creative i don't even know how to put it but the point i want to make is that i saw this work i was at the opening i saw this show and this was in 2016 yeah no no 18 18 okay even even later 2018 and i thought or no sorry january 19 okay and i thought this work is so amazing but there's something about it of it being on Instagram that somehow resonates and I couldn't quite put my finger on why it resonated on Instagram more than as print photographs, although Mm -hmm. the photographs were pretty amazing too. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I'm trying to say is that that was 2018 and let's fast forward to today Mm -hmm. with NFTs where the culture has finally caught up with David Henry Nobody Jr. And he's a, in my mind, he's a star. Um, he's like, you're, you're doing so well. You know, you're doing so well. And you're in the show now that's a big show cu- curated by Kenny Schachter, who's like the king of the NFT yeah. world and stuff like that. And like, I just think I'm so, it's, it's sort of, it, it, I, I'm just, it's just, um, it's just reassuring how far ahead of the art world and the culture you are and how long it takes people to catch up with somebody who has a vision. So what I want you to, what I was hoping is we could get an understanding of how your work transitioned and your career, your career, like your career, you know, he's making money folks. Okay. So like, let's talk about that transition. How did that happen from Instagram to NFTs for you? Um, I wanted to artistically just back up for one sure, se- please do. Qu- a quick second. I know we're a little, uh, no, uh, no, zigzagging I'm just... and t- time is always a thing. Um, but I, I think that the, when you're talking about the older pieces like stalking Trump and Alex von Furstenberg, you're talking about like me becoming an illusion in real life. Um, which is kind of like supposed to be uh, an ideological dilemma. The, that that's as a performance. I think the the internet has allowed me to kind of become more freeform, and I actually just physically wear the props on myself in a more simplistic way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm wearing to me, I'm wearing dilemmas to make to create ideological clashes. Mm-hmm. That's like the underlying principle of the work is okay. that I want to I want to anyway. So that's just no, that's the, important, yeah, and yeah. I want to understand that a little bit more. Sure. Um, just explain like how. Um, you, I think like what, what I'm trying to, um, really get to is how you as the person, the artist is sort of, you're sort of sublimating your own identity or is that what you, 
Yeah. And can you explain that, why you're doing that or what that is for? I think like um, you have to let go of yourself to become yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I had a Buddhist, a Buddhist boss who kind of told me that once and I really? remembered it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, most artists assert their will on stuff. I sort of let things like assert their will on me. I'm almost like uh, uh, sort of a, ma- a masochist in that way. Like I like to uh, find a prop somewhere on the street or in the garbage and I sort of morph my identity to the object. I'm interested in the relationship between the, this sort of prop that I'm wearing or the situation that I create and, and the appearance of my character um, in a way, mm-hmm. if that makes sense or doesn't. I'm trying to think of what question to ask that would help clarify that. If um, So, I mean, you're, you're interacting with physical objects. Most definitely. But I play to the camera and, and I'm, I'm most definitely like uh, I want it to look CGI or look Photoshop when it's not. Mm-hmm. Because I think that like we are already seeing reality that way. Even the older pieces uh-huh. are about um, how uh, looking at media all the time makes us hallucinate in real life. Mm-hmm. It's happening even more aggressively. I feel like when I talk to like Gen Z, my Gen Z friends, like they look at me, they've been on grown up on their phones so much and on social media that... When they look at me in real life, they're seeing like an image with a caption underneath. I oh, swear to God. that's really funny. And it's not a sad thing. I think it's just we're becoming, we don't even understand what we're becoming. I think it's really freaking far out. And I want to be as creative as possible with what's mm-hmm. happening. So, so you see it almost as a evolution of humanity. And what do you, what, what message or what are you getting out of having, you're having people project onto you? Is that, uh, are you mo- sort of offering a blank canvas in a, uh, or, or not a blank canvas, but something that people, go ahead. Yes, y- there is that. I mean, I, my, I have a lot of experience, like uh, Instagram has been very interesting to, to be able to present something and see, see the response. You know, as a performance artist too, that the, what the audience does is part of the work. Mm-hmm. So on Instagram, the comments basically are an extension of the work. And I think what mainly what I've learned uh, is something you're getting at is that like people don't see me in the work, they see themselves. Mm-hmm. So usually when they, when they, when they detest it or they're hating something about it, it's not, I don't, I'm not saying I don't take response, artistic responsibility for it, but I think often they're just basically yelling at themselves, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like trolls are actually yelling at themselves basically. Mm-hmm. And you'll watch me like, because I'm in character on Instagram as David Nobody, um, you know, the sort of enfant terrible perform- Instagram, social media performance artist, like kind of cringy and grotesque and, uh, you know, pushing a lot of buttons mm-hmm. and, and breaking taboos. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll see me argue with these people if you look in the comments and mm-hmm. I, I view that, I mean, it's also, it's emotional. I'm <laughs> defending my work. Um, uh, but I also, I'm like interacting with them and trying to mm-hmm. provoke them and get them to say stuff because it's all part of a piece. Right. So the comments is a big part. Is, is that a big part or how? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And so talk, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what kind of, what, kind of comments i'm not uh, that familiar with mm, the comments yeah. aspect of it so can you tell us a little bit about that sure i mean um i mean there's also there's a lot of creativity in the comments and it's just i get like you know christian trumpy people uh it's it, it's actually calmed down a little bit mm-hmm. i think in 2016 and 17 um before uh, instagram like boxed everybody in in the algorithms a bit more um you know there were more trump people looking at my stuff and they and they uh. really would go crazy someone um uh wrote to me um they want that they wanted to kill me and that my work looked like God's come, not in a good way. <laughs> so actually I did a piece uh, where I wrote um, that um, 
in black paint on my face. Your work looks like God's come, not in a good way. And I covered myself in, um, in mayonnaise with a jar of Hellman's mayonnaise on my shoulder as the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would like to do more of those, but I think that the, yeah, writing, co- writing the, the feedback on yourself, like where, where mm-hmm. so where are the, pro- uh-huh. where are the problem? I uh-huh. saw your piece, like where you, you talked about your scars. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Naked, naked. It was amazing performance. Really good. Thank Same you. principle. It's like kind yeah. of like wearing your, your wearing problems. I mean, yeah. those, ha- those happen more naturally. Mine are more, I bring it on in a masochistic yeah. way. I yeah. like to sort of inject myself with the poison and see what happens basically. So, um, do you think most, so are you sort of, I'm getting the sense that the comments are often negative or no, people no, that no, no, comments no. Or po- positive, overwhelmingly positive. positive. Overwhelmingly but, positive. Yeah, but I mean, people, you never know. I mean, I think the human mind is extremely random and, and people get triggered by, someone got triggered by the mirror piece the other day and they, I got mm-hmm. into a big argument with them yesterday. It was pretty annoying, but I went and I went like an idiot and engaged with them. I mean, it was kind of fun, but mm-hmm. I got annoyed too. So, so that's good to hear. It's mostly positive. Yeah, but yeah. The, those affect you in your work. Do they affect you. Per, do, well, those they are all you I, personally. Sure, everything's personal. Um, but it's abstract simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, I try, and it's like I kind of see all this stuff that's happening around the work as like kind of materials, and mm-hmm. you could. You have mm-hmm. to choose whether to use them or not, or how mm-hmm. far you let them into your psyche or your creativity. Mm-hmm. You curate mm-hmm. that as a as a right. performative. Right. So, so yeah. So it's part of the work. It's part of the work. Yeah. Yeah. But there's yeah you edit because there's enough distance between you and the and the person commenting. You have an initial emotional reaction, but then you have a more ab- mm-hmm. you have uh, you know uh, uh, all artists like yourself. We spend a lot of time like abstractly reviewing the construction of everything Mm -hmm. so yeah okay cool so let's uh you got that guys um so let's yeah so we were we were going to delve into your transition to the nft yes well little did i know and like in all those years of making um i think in like 14 and 15 it was mostly images and by late 15 i started to make videos and they started to sort of go viral meaning like hundreds of thousands or even a million people would view them and I would get enormous reactions. On and Instagram. I, yeah, and I think like it's the Instagram was pushing the levers. You know, they were really uh, they like, just like gentrification in the beginning, they really used artists to pump themselves ah. up. Yeah, I don't think they do as much now. Um, not ah, as much. Um, but in, in that period of time, so my, my videos really went viral. They still do. It's not yeah. on, the, on the scale that they once did, and that's fine. Um, but, um, I didn't really know that I was shooting photography, uh, of stills for print edition. I still sell prints. Um, but I was also recording all these videos and like, what would happen with the videos? They would go viral. You get a lot of attention. They were provocative. Um, they would cause a lot of artist creative discussion on, on, and in, in the art Mm -hmm. world and social media. Um, but I didn't, and, oh, but like I'd license them for 500 bucks to MTV or something like really? that. They were wow. on, they were on TV shows. I mean, yeah. it's not much money, right? but I didn't really know that, um, this NFT phenomena would, was, was building up in 2020 and would just explode in, in this year. Mm-hmm. And that by, you know, March I would tr- kind of got, got into it and, uh, it took, took a little, a few weeks and fast mm-hmm. learning curve. I had to learn very fast, basically. So you were were you taken by surprise when you got that initial response to your Instagram videos? 
in the beginning? Um, uh, or yeah, because it was were, a, it was like almost like a violent wave in in like two thousand sixteen. You were like, yeah. I mean, you were doing it anyway, but yeah. you're like, wow, people are noticing that. Well, also, I won a suggested user award from Instagram, I think, in two thousand sixteen, and I think I gained like twenty five thousand followers in two uh-huh. weeks, uh-huh. and and also a lot of the public saw my works who had never. Never right. seen it at all. That was another point that I wanted yeah. to make here is that um, I think that your art has always been really, really good and really interesting. And I think the art world hasn't paid enough attention to it. And I think that um, most, na- I now agree. they are. Do you agree? Uh, no. I Okay. Can I be honest with you? Please. I, yeah, I, 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 most of the real art snobs like will not talk to me at all. No way. Really? Yeah, well, Want to name names? No. <laughs> I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. Hey, I want them to like the work, but it's not for everyone. But The institutional uh, l- people. Absolutely not. No yeah. way. I'm totally written off. Still? I, still, yes. Um, uh, and it may not stay that way. I don't know. Uh, but um, I'm open, you know. Approach me. Mm. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, I've never been in the Whitney Biennial. I've never been in Greater New York in PS1. I have a lot of friends that were. I'm Crazy. not. I am in some cool art collections, but I'm not you know, really pursued by the biggest art world collectors. Instead, mm-hmm. I've found like my own crowd who are like sort of crossover collectors uh, from the digital and, and the art world um, on, on social media. I mean, Instagram broke down all the barriers mm-hmm. uh, uh, and gatekeepers mm-hmm. for artists like me. I mean, yeah. me and my, and me and I also, you know, another thing we didn't get into is my, I had a collective for a long time in the two thousands and, we had some cool things happen, and I had some the Alex piece happen. Yeah, but I, yeah, you've but had you've had like I had spouts of atten- enormous attention. Yeah, I had to force not- it pretty hard, like almost like the the five year old with a shape differentiation puzzle, like trying to shovel <laughs> shove, the, shove the triangles into the circles. Yeah, that was me. So, just so you guys mm-hmm. know, I wrote down like on Artsy, he has which is the con- a very conventional <laughs> website. He has thirteen followers. Okay, that's one three. And on Instagram, he has 112,000 followers. So anyway, that's what I'm saying, guys. The art world's very conservative, I think. Yeah, okay, totally. That's what we're I saying. also had a lot of press also, too. Yeah. That was the other thing. Like, I got picked up by Vice. and the B- I worked with Vice a lot in, like, 2016 and 17 in the Creators Project mm-hmm. when they were covering ah. art. Yeah, they're not, they're not covering art anymore, really. Um, and that mm-hmm. was a huge lift. And who, there were a lot of other... Um, High Fructose magazine was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Those were huge lifts. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of I exposure. Mean, right. Yeah. Right. But other publications like Juxtapose don't really touch me because they're kind of more. They like painting and sculpture. And more. no art form. Oh well, I'm no. sure you've been mentioned in there. No, but I mean, I think people that used to be kind of like not that into my work like years ago, like Jerry Saltz, are big fans because uh-huh. he had Good. a real. He had a chance to really and Roberta Smith too. I've had a chance to watch the work uh, over an evolution so, of years. So now they are beginning to get on board. Oh, Jerry's a huge, huge fan of that Oh, good. Work. Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad yeah. to hear that. I'm so yeah. glad to Yeah, and hear I know that. that, like, he didn't really like Alex when he saw it. He, he went to the show and... Oh, he did? Supposedly he said, oh, everyone's looking good. I'll see you guys later. I was oh. like, whoa, man. Yeah. So um, he's also, you know, I think Jerry and I are similar. We're both kind of coming in from from different outside situations in a way and kind of very self-made and yeah. you know, not rich kids. Um, yeah. 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 
Um, okay, so so Instagram kind of opened up this whole other world for yeah. you. And then yes. when did you start getting into NFTs? Like, what? how did you start? Well, my mother wrote, sent me an article from the New York Times, like fall of 2020 sometimes, said, hey, someone sold a video for $80,000. <laughs> and I was like, what are you even talking about, mom? Um, and then it kind of kept coming at me like in, in this year, like January, February, um, I would get DMs and people would be like, Hey man, you got to check out this NFT, you know, really excited. And I was like, I didn't know what to make of it. And then, um, I think, uh, I think I joined, I, I, um, joined foundation, which uh-huh. is one of the platforms where you can sell one of one NFTs, meaning that's not an addition. It's just one. And I kind of like that as a, um, a marketing and conceptual principle that like anybody could see the video or have copies of it, but only one person would own the, the autograph per se. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. a tradable commodity. I was like, that's interesting. So I, I minted with them and um, uh, I sold the pieces to um, a, a huge artist. James Jean bought two, two mm-hmm. videos off me. It was unbelievable. I don't, I don't know that name, but that doesn't mean yeah, anything. It's, it's kind of like, um, he's, he's, oh, he's, well, like, does he have, can, he has like, a million followers. He's a yeah, huge artist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I he's totally. a little like, um, in the Ron English area. I mean, I, uh-huh. I don't know if they would like the word lowbrow, but it's not like really quite but sort of technically. I always think of Ron English as sort of, anyway, well, this is not an yeah, art yeah, discussion. Yeah. So, uh, 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 on that detail, but I, to that much detail, but, um, so people sort of were coming at you saying like, Hey, this you is perfect try this. for you. Yeah. And you were, and you said, okay. And then you got an instant positive response. Yeah. Right? Well, it takes a while to set up the, the crypto wallets, the MetaMask and the Coinbase was very, very complicated, confusing. It's not now, but just like you literally have to like download your whole thinking into, into another realm. And uh, for me, the NFT scene is like the latest fast break in artistic community because much like on Instagram, I met a lot of new artists uh, Mm -hmm. kind of just after my collective died in 2013. And I was like sort of washed up for a year. Um, I joined Instagram and I met, I met a whole new community from all over the world. Now with NFT, I'm meeting a whole different community Mm -hmm. of digital artists and art world artists who are minting and selling NFTs. And there's a lot of excitement um, and I'm being exposed. I was always really into animators um, like I was like my severe body distortions that I physically make on myself are influenced, were influenced on Instagram by animators, like cool 3d world was, is, and was very prominent and they mm-hmm. sell NFTs. Now they were a big influence. I was watching them and I was like, Oh, how would I physically do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I'm being exposed to whole, um, a whole new generation of, of, of digital and NFT artists and also art world artists crossing over mm-hmm. in NFT. And it's, an, it's another amazing time where there's a huge like ideological mashup of diff- people coming from very different directions, all ending up in the same kind of space. And this is like the best times in art when it's just a complete mess um, and no one knows what the hell is going on. It's like for me, pretty punk rock. So I'm into right, it. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, um, I wanted to, so let's talk about, I mean, I want people to know, like, you're making money now. He, he's making money. Like, how, how you're, I want people to also understand the struggle of really being an artist. I mean, you went from being like. I was really, I've been a New York uh, artist for three decades, and I was broke as shit for years and years and years. Like, really broke, and I always worked, like, um, 
pretty shit jobs that I wasn't that into, but I'm actually a very good carpenter and I'm a pretty good art handler and I did that stuff for years. Mm -hmm. So actually, I'm actually highly skilled. Like uh, when it comes to loft renovation or building a house, I could oh, do, good to know. I could do the whole thing. Hey, hey, take, <laughs> take it easy, will you? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so. But you, it, you didn't know, have like a steady income. Did you have. I was always, always freelance. No, did you I did you have health insurance? Not until like my 40s. I somehow, wow. I, 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 and, and I was like, I've been, I rode a fixed gear bike with no brakes from 1992 to 2009. And I still like, I, I rolled up here on my Bianchi. I've been like an avid street rider for years, but not now I have, I've had health insurance for like since my forties. See, this is a big difference between people like you and people like me. I'm mm. too neurotic to mm. not ever have health insurance. It takes a certain kind of person, guys. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, I think. I was really nervous. Brave. I mean, there, yeah, there was a lot of partying going on to kind of numb the nervousness and uncertainty and instability mm -hmm. I lived with. And I used to also used to smoke cigarettes, which I gave up. Um, in 2009, like chain smoking, you know, there was a lot of self-destructive behaviors that mm -hmm. like I, I, in order to sustain the lifestyle to make the work that I wanted to. And, uh, I also had a lot of friends that did the same thing. And a lot of them, um, they, they couldn't make it. They, mm -hmm. It was unsustainable for them. Somehow I'm like a rat and I just like lasted mm -hmm. through. I but also you, you are capable of making the sacrifice you are capable of living in like a t I mean how did you live you had a tiny apartment no 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 I, I always lived in illegal lofts okay so, so there was always the, all I'm kinds saying. of shenanigans with that but you know I enjoyed the challenge of it um I had like a wood stove for yeah. years for heat and I had a house on the roof in Williamsburg man I'm I'm like I'm totally into the renegade like life. Urb, urban camping. Yeah, really. urban. Well, not camping. I always live very comfortably, but I like to find stuff on the street, and and I still fix up furniture. And my, I built my the place I have now in in uh, in Brooklyn is like I renovated the whole thing, and it's kind of like a sculpture that I live in. I'm, I always have a cool place, but okay. I take a, I take a lot of risk, and I got burned many times, and uh, I just. I don't know. I'm definitely a cat. I always land on all fours and start again. You know. This is what I'm trying to say. And Resilient. do you have an MFA? No, I don't. This no. is what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah. guys, you know, this is a real deal and this is what it means. Yeah, I'm not an academic. I mean, I'm, I, would, I would say I'm a hardcore intellectual, but of my own definitions and making, which mm -hmm. could be probably... A little quirky, like you say, two academics who are like, wait, what does he mean when he says that? I mean, I just like lived with my own ideas did, for did so long. Did you go to undergrad? You went to undergrad. Yeah, I went to the University of New Hampshire. And what did you study? Uh, painting and sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now, now, like, tell us what, how, let us hear about, like, as far as your, say, business or your, like, your financial aspect. So how is NFTs affecting you that way? Um, I'm selling my videos like they're paintings, basically. I mean, it's like almost as easy to sell an NFT video as it is to sell a painting. And that is just from the past, like unimaginable. I would have never have imagined. I mean, I would have thought so maybe like further in the future. It is very, very futuristic. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Ethereum blockchain is kind of a stroke of genius. I think whoever... Uh, there's a couple guy, a uh, couple software engineers that developed that. It's extremely smart because it comes at a time um, where you can validate something as real readily um, in a time where no one knows what's real and what's not. Um, mm. I think that that has a an enormous uh, like mm -hmm. economic value mm -hmm. to it, and for artists who have like like me, who most of my work was like kind of recorded basically. Mm, the record right. the recordings are can now be validated and sold as real. 
Right. And that's like, you know, there was, unless you were in a really fancy gallery in the years past, um, you had like no shot of selling videos. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing, you right. know. But why right. shouldn't they be on the same pedestal as a painting? They absolutely should be. It's just the technology hasn't been in place. Mm-hmm. That's all. So, and you don't have a gallerist to do that, right? You, uh, in other words, like you can, you can I represent can, yourself and get, get, yeah. you know, a can, lot of people don't realize that mm-hmm. galleries take 50%. That's yeah. the way the business runs. The, the NFT platforms take a lot. OpenSea takes a uh, low Foundation takes like 17% of sales, which is low. And the genius of of like Foundation, and I think Super Rare, which I'm not on, and some of these other platforms is that it's all completely automated. You do not deal with any people. There is no gallerist saying like, hey, you know, I'm not really that friendly with that publication, so I'd rather not um, do press with them. And I'd be like, well, what do you mean? It's huge press. You know, there's no person. Right. It's <laughs> you're it's, paid automatically. It's all it's all you. So I but I have to do a lot. I mean, I'm the I'm the artist, I'm the yeah. the assistant, I do the paperwork, I do the emails, I'm the publicist, I'm messaging, I message uh people who are interested in my work and I and I pitch it to them. Uh-huh. I, I'm not passive, man. I'm working I, like I a have, lot. I have no doubt. I yeah. have no doubt. But it's also interesting because I think that gallerists often mitigate the personality or the work like so in other words i am like, working with some galleries i work with with i'm not represented by but unit london who's doing the nftism yeah. show i mean they are very forward thinking mm-hmm. and uh, i did a solo show online solo show with them last winter and it was great we sold some prints it was it was just before nft and now they're really into nft so i'm doing stuff with them and um they so some galleries are are pretty hip to what's right, going on. Right, but it's not yeah. like your whole image is curated by a gallery like a lot no, of No, my shit. my image yeah. is like well I, You're very accessible. Yeah, on so, social media you can you can create your own image, you know. Mm-hmm. So I Oh, absolutely. Um so you wound up like you your stu- so you, you so you have money coming in now. You're not worried about money. You said you doubled your studio. And yeah. I want to hear like how you're more solid, how like the work is paying off for your practice being more mm-hmm. solid, right? Well, I'm able to dedicate more time to the creativity basically, um, which is great. I'm, I mean, I haven't had a day job since um, 2018 where yeah. I was, I was part-time in a, in a fancy Upper East Side gallery um so that's that's mm-hmm. been and great. you doubled your studio space yep yeah yeah yep. and you're feeling confident like it sounds I'm like i'm feeling pretty confident i mean you never know listen i have yeah. no pride and if i had to go back to carpentry and art handling i would do it sure it would suck, sure. It would suck but i'll do it but know? but like the distraction of having to make money i mean it's so funny because you're not talking about like upgrading your bicycle you're talking about like having more time to do your work this is what i'm saying it's not about owning shit yeah. Well, you don't need to own a lot of stuff. I mean, I just think like you have to prioritize and listen, I mean, I'm up and down. I'm not Picasso. I'm not making art like 20 hours a day for all the, the great heights that you see in those recordings where I get to this like moment where um, I, Wayne Gretzky, the hockey player would say he felt so fast on the ice that it felt like the other players were frozen in space. Wow. And that's what I feel like in those moments when I'm recording those, those photos or those videos I get to a, like a second wind type euphoria, but also I, I also get quite depressed. I'm down, you know, my friends know me. I, I complain a lot, you know, <laughs> come on, man. I'm a real person, you know, like, uh, I'm not like Mr. Not, Happy all the time. You know, I'm grappling. It's not sugar coated. No. Yeah. I mean, not. you know, yeah. um, but also, 
Um, when you talked about the show at Unit, which is um, also, I saw that online, and uh, that's the name of the gallery unit in unit, London. Unit London, yeah. Yeah, you guys can look. Do your homework. Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that looked interesting. Now the show was in uh, in a gallery in London, it's, right? It's physical, so, yeah, and physical also in space. in what's known as the metaverse, which is like a uh, a simulated online mm-hmm. museum. The work is installed there, so anybody can. It looks like a video game. You can kind of walk through it and and check it out from anywhere in the world. And they also did a physical exhibition. There's almost a hundred NFT artists. Uh-huh. In that show, it's big. It's a lot. It's and you a lot. also did a really nice show, big show with Noah Becker, who's a friend, been on the show a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and that was in a meta space, right? It yeah. Felt like a- he or he him and uh, Chainsaw Dot Fun, which is another NFT gallery um, that I've shown some NFTs and sold with, um, organized something called Am- Amalgamation, and there was in cri- this thing called the Crypto Voxels Museum. Uh, which was just, that was purely an online show, right? That was but cool. you felt like you were sort of literally. It felt like you were like a video gamer. What you were saying, you're going through a museum and there's work on the walls. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's it's what it's trippy. like, guys. Get on it. If I know. You're not. Well, the technology is only going to open up even more. I mean, uh-huh. just on that note, uh, I often rage about this on Twitter. I have a my Twitter is David Henry Nobo one, and I only have four hundred followers. Oh, <laughs> very, oh, all right. Well, very we'll get on that. <laughs> but that's where all the NFT people are. Is they're on Twitter? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's because Twitter is decentralized, and that's what the the crypto world and the NFT world is about decentralization. It's mm-hmm. about like not one one corporation right. owning everything. Like Instagram right. and Facebook are centralized; they're owned right. by a, a sort of uh, very controlling company. Right. Um, whereas I think Twitter is more decentralized. I'm not sure how, but and crypto currency, which I'm paid for when I sell an NFT, I'm paid in Ethereum, mm-hmm. which but you can cash to US dollars like any time, and and it's a commodity. The price is going up and down. Don't ask me how that relates to the value of the work. That's a whole nother thing. I kind of just like wait um, until it's high if I get paid in F and then I cash it out to dollars because right. it's not monopoly money for me. But, it's but that's totally decentralized currency. It's not owned by anybody. Yeah, right? and it's not backed by a government. It's so not it's, backed by a government. Yeah, right. I, I feel like the the this is kind of like out there, but I think the appeal of of crypto is that it kind of, correlates with this uh, view of uh, the environment as being very volatile. The currency is, is just as volatile as our perception of the earth is right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's I don't interesting. Know. I hadn't thought about that. I just that, think humans, humans are drawn to stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I also think we, that systems mirror each other. Yeah. I also like the idea that, you know, we have to start really thinking of ourselves all as one, one people. People are all very much the same as, as evidenced by the COVID virus. True. And, uh, that currency also mirrors that. But I want to hear your thoughts on the future. We have 10 minutes left, two of which I have to do a station ID and repeat your contact Mm -hmm. information. But, um, I want to hear about like the unit show was in person and I want to hear about like how the work is being shown in person. And I want to hear what your thoughts are on the future of NFTs and that whole area of art. Um, yeah, well, the show show looks great. It's going well. I'm very happy to be in it. Uh, where are NFTs going? No, but also like people are starting to engage with them in real life. Like, like in other words, NFTs are like little squares that you see on the internet. So 
Well, wait, do your your listeners may not understand like what an NFT is. Oh yeah, that's yeah. possible. Yeah, Go well, ahead. That, that's we a, don't even have time for that. That's a Google search, but I mean, essentially, like um, in the case of my videos, if they if the video has been quite viral in the past, it's viewed as valuable. And although it can be copied like millions and thousands of times, and anybody can have a copy, only one person owns the token that is my autograph, one of one on the Ethereum blockchain. There's only one, and that is that represents the work on the blockchain. You're kind of dealing with the the representation of things virtually is becoming more important than real life. So in other words, yes. if there so it's almost like when you see when you go to a museum of like Van Gogh, it's like a you know a Van Gogh touring muse, touring show. It's those the the show the artwork is put together it's borrowed from the collectors mm-hmm. and we all see it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you you have the collector collectors have the original even yeah. though it's doesn't really seem very different from right well it's it's hard to uh, to understand the lack of tangibility but i think the principle that anybody in the public can have a copy of the work but only one person actually owns the autograph is there's a kind of a democracy in it to the public and it sort of satisfies people who want to uh you know you can uh, an nft can be flipped rather easily basically because it's not there's not really an object yeah they resell it and the ethereum blockchain is smart contracts basically Mm -hmm. um it's a system of smart contracts Mm -hmm. um so that uh, another beautiful thing about it is that um in the secondary market uh wait no wait we have three minutes so what is it like when people what happens to people when they see the thing in real life like how like in other words i think it seems to me that things are transitioning from screens in our homes on our in our phones to actual galleries so is that like is that the future are we going to start seeing these things in galleries or what what don't I know? What is oh. going on? What is going on? How are people going to be well, consuming NFTs? Um, I think the way you said it is what's happening for now. Mm-hmm. I think as far as like the future future, I think like my NFTs will be able to play be played in the future in some kind of alien technology, like way beyond screens. We don't even understand what's going to happen with display systems. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. beyond our understanding right now. And I think mm-hmm. if you own an NFT now, like 10, 20 years from now, It'll be like you'll see me in in living a living person of me like doing a piece. It'll be so real, like in the room, mm-hmm. like like screens will be totally outdated. That's what uh, I think. So That's be the more like virtual reality kind. Of, I, I mean, is that I'd closer to it? Closer to real life. Yeah. Oh yeah. It'll be so so real looking. Mm. It'll be like uncanny, and, and we'll get used to it. So yeah. I think the simulation. We're going down the simulation rabbit hole, and I think it's just going to deepen. You know, yeah, to, yeah. Like where we don't even need to be there anymore. Like our physical bodies. Yeah, well, that's yeah. A, that's what that's what nobody means. It means not having a body. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, I didn't yes. know that. That's so good. I yeah, like you're just a consciousness when you're on your phone. But I mean, I'm asking the question: Are we just going to lose our bodies and turn into consciousnesses mm-hmm. only? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what sci-fi mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. That's what math says. I don't know. Are we? Yeah. No, it makes sense, and I've heard that. Like. uh an Elon Musk, Joe Rogan interview, he, he, that was kind of interesting. I mean, I've heard, 
I've been hearing this, and I'm a little, I don't know what to think about it, but I've been hearing this. But anyway, um, it is interesting that galleries are starting to put screens in, and you can actually go see. What do you think about the art world in general, though? Do you think there's like the virtual art world and the traditional art world? Are those things going to meld? There's a lot of resistance in the traditional art world against the NFT world. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you see going on as far as the future of the art world? It's melding. Yeah, They're, they're coming together. But yes, I think some, I mean, I think that the physical is, will still be important. I mean, look for me, NFT realistically is like another stick in the fire of, but I'm going to sell prints. I'll make sculptures. If I have time, I'll mm-hmm. do performances. Mm-hmm. I'm still doing performances. I'm performing right, right now. This is a performance. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can make an NFT of this. Absolutely. Uh, fund the whole station. Oh my God. Uh- <laughs> well, it's almost like with crypto, there wasn't enough money around during the, the COVID. And so then... Um, like the internet made up its own money. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. Cause money yeah. is based on ideological fandom and community. Um, yeah, you're right about that. But, but NFTs have brought in a lot of, or Instagram, all that stuff has brought in a lot of people who might not have been interested in art before. Oh yeah. It's true? definitely, definitely broadened it for better mm-hmm. or for worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the quality, look, the quality of the NFTs is like, yeah, it's questionable. I, it, but I try not to worry about that. Like I, I'm, I'm a sponge. I take in, taking everything in and remember that mm-hmm. you are your own context. You, you are your own context. You are your, don't worry about all this, like in the gallery, traditional gallery world, you're worried about where you show and all this stuff. Oh, don't no. worry about it. Yeah. Just be your own context. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that. For me, for yeah. my work. No, yeah. that may, but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, what we're all talking about really is kind of like making work where it's not influenced by your ego to some degree. Yeah. Well, I chisel away and chip away at my yeah, ego. Because we all deal with that. Um, let's talk about what's coming up and um, talk about your show with Kenny and let's talk about what, you know, what you have coming up and say your contact information and your Instagram again. Let's, let's, we got to wrap this up. Let's man. wrap it up, baby. Um, well, I'm just making more pieces in the studio that will be available as NFTs. Um, uh, someone emailed me about a show somewhere in France today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, everything's kind of up in the air. I'm just uh-huh. like when when there aren't. I don't have succinct deadlines right now, so I'm just like making stuff. Uh huh. Um. Yep. Do if people want to find out what's going on, can they just follow you on Instagram? Just follow me on Instagram and say yeah. the Instagram again. Uh, David Henry Nobody Jr. Okay, and then say your website again. My website, which is a, a 20 year archive of my work, is www.davidhenrybrownjr. Oh my God, you are so awesome. Thank you for being on the show. And let me do the, uh, the closing, the closing remarks, which are basically letting you know how great Radio Free Brooklyn is. Um, and reminding you again about the craft fair. So anyway, I'm Dr. Lisa, the self-proclaimed psychotherapist. I'm here live every Thursday, two to three. And, uh, you can also check out my archives over 250 episodes. Uh, make sure that you uh, check out RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. It's an independent listener. That's you supported radio station. So we need you to um, 
you know, donate money. This we're this is a really great station, and we do a lot of great things. And there's so much. There's so many shows. There's talk. There's music of every sort. There's politics. There's comedy. You can't get that anywhere else. And I want to make sure that you remember to visit the Peters Valley Fall Craft Fair in Sussex County, New Jersey. I think it's a great weekend to get away, and New Jersey is not that far. It could be romantic. Take somebody and make them buy a craft for you or buy each other crafts, okay? So go to the fairgrounds on September 25th and 26th. More information and tickets at Peters, that's petersplualvalley.org. And thanks again for listening. I'm at Dr. Lisa Levy SP on Instagram if you want to. If you have anything you want to let me know or uh, 